Welcome to Do Hard Things with the Revolution. Do you want to rise above mediocrity and live your life sold out for the glory of God? Do you want to do hard things, make your life count, and use your teen years for Christ? Here at The Revolution, we know that navigating life as a Christian teen can be tough. Our hope with this podcast is to share biblical truth and provide real, honest, and relatable answers to your hardest questions. So with that in mind, let's dive right into the latest episode of Do Hard Things with The Revolution. Hey friends, welcome to another episode of Do Hard Things with the Revolution. I'm your host, Sarah Barrett, here with my amazing co-host, Tabitha Bell, and we are tackling a question today that we got from one of our listeners, and she asks, how do I deal with the low expectations that my friends have? I don't know how to respond without offending my friend when they try to pressure me into caving to their own low expectations. Should I laugh and play along, but then not actually do it? Should I confront them about it and possibly ruin our friendship? How do I discourage my friends from their ungodly actions without them turning on me? So we're going to tackle today everything that she says here, but then just friendship in the broader sphere, because whether this is your story or you just don't have a lot of friends, but you want friends or you crave deeper relationships with the friends that you have, so many of us have questions about how to have godly friends and friendships. And talking about friendships actually matters a lot. It sure does. Friendship relationships matter so much because, well, first, because of the influence that they have over us, uh, we become what we're exposed to. We become who we are exposed to. The people around us, especially the people that we, one, spend a lot of time with and two, have deep heart-to-heart relationships with, they impact us greatly, probably more than we even realize. Yeah, absolutely. And I think this is really what this girl is asking and what she's struggling with is that all of her friends around her are having these low expectations and you know it's hard it's hard when you're surrounded by those people that are not pulling you up they're pulling you down and how to continue being faithful yourself and you know the bible has so much to say about this proverbs 13:20 says that he who walks with wise men will be wise but the companion of fools will be destroyed first uh, corinthians 15:33 says that don't be deceived. Bad company ruins good morals. Like that's pretty straightforward. Absolutely. Yeah. It and pretty intense. Like if you think about it, <laughs> like the companion yeah. of fools will be destroyed. <laughs> that's that's a pretty intense word. So, one of the things that I think is important to discuss in regards to friendship and in relationships is boundaries. I like to think of it as like a target like the circles of a target, there's an outer circle, a middle circle, and then there's a bullseye. So maybe view those circles as levels of intimacy and friendship. The smaller the circle, the greater the intimacy. So the higher the standard should be for entering that circle. Not everybody that you meet should have access to the innermost circle. For example, If you have unsaved friends at school or work, 
they shouldn't have access to the bullseye. They should not be the friends that you go to for clarity and encouragement on spiritual issues, the ones that you take your most tender emotions to, or the ones that you process deep pain with. Bullseye friends should be strong in their walk with God. They should be able to point you to biblical truth, able to physically be the hands and feet of Jesus in your life. Some people should only have access to the outer circle. And I know that might sound harsh, but it's not wrong or unchristian to put up a boundary with someone. And the truth is, we don't need everybody to be a bullseye friend. I think Mm, social media has a lot of us valuing quantity over quality in friendships. And we think the bigger the number of friends that we have, the better. But Jesus didn't have a million friends. He had an inner circle of 12. And even among those 12, there were a select few disciples that he seemed closer to than the others, like John. Mm, Yes, that is such a good point. And it is so critical for those inner circle friends. I love that picture of a bullseye, um, that those people in that bullseye of our, our friendship, that those people love Jesus, they're passionate about him, they know him, and they serve him. I even feel like it's important for the people in that close circle to sometimes even be stronger than you spiritually. Because if your heart level friends are weaker spiritually and are not growing, that's and that's key because we're all a work in progress and yeah. they could be strong in many areas, but you know, be still growing in, in some areas. But if they're not growing, then you can be sure that they will pull you down spiritually. And so many of us, we ask questions, well, what about evangelism? Like, can I have friends and, you know, minister to them and share the gospel with them? And the answer is yes, absolutely. We can have friendships with those that are not Christians, and it wouldn't even be good or healthy to only associate with just Christians, or we would fail to fulfill the Great Commission. But those friendships must be, like you said, on the outer ring. They're not our heart level friends. They're not the ones that we turn to. And we must, in addition to that, have a core group of friends who are strong in their walk with Christ. And that will be what will help us to maintain our own faithfulness, our own relationship with Christ. Yes, it is very important that that core group of friends that we have that those heart level discussions with are strong in their walk with Christ. And something that I want to remind our listeners about is that it's better to have no friends than the wrong friends. Um, mm, I can remember yeah. a season where I was hanging out with a person on a semi-regular basis. Um, I thought that we were very good friends. And After a while, they just sort of ghosted me. I was confused. I was hurt. And after a few weeks while praying about it, God very clearly spoke to my heart and told me what feels right now like rejection is actually my protection. Trust me. Mm, I remember being very confused because I didn't think I needed protection from this person. In my eyes, they were a good friend. I enjoyed hanging out with them. We had good times. But afterwards, 
I started thinking back on the friendship, and instead of seeing how much I liked being around them, I started remembering how uncomfortable they could make me feel at times. How I had felt more and more like I had to be on high alert when I was around them, and how they had a tendency to pressure me into doing things that I didn't really want to do. Over time, I realized that God was right, that he had indeed protected me from this person and that it was truly necessary. I'm going to pull up some notes from my journal <laughs> um, from that time oh. and share just a few things that that I jotted down um, during that season. So I can't remember where I heard this. I wrote down uh, three relational guardrails to consider that help us avoid foolishness fallout. Going back to that Proverbs 13, 20, where, you know, the companion of fools mm-hmm. will be destroyed. Okay, so how do we avoid this foolishness fallout. One of them is that you catch yourself pretending to be someone other than who you really are. So that's the first relational guardrail. And I call this being a crowd chameleon, um, where (laughs) depending on the crowd that you're with, you sort of change to fit in. It could be something as simple as the way that you dress or the way that you talk or maybe the language you use, the movies that you watch. And it goes back to that craving acceptance from people rather than resting in Christ. The second relational guardrail that I jotted down was something that's never been a temptation before is now something that you're considering. So I don't know, maybe you've never been tempted to get drunk before, but you've got a friend that's insisting you do it just once to get it out of your system. So now you're considering Mm. doing it, in parentheses, true story. Uh, that person offered to hold my hair back if I got sick. <laughs> um, oh, no. so, oh, my goodness. Yeah. Yeah. So we need to choose friends who help us fight our existing temptations, not friends who introduce us to new ones. Oh, man, that's good. Yeah. The third relational guardrail is that you hope the people you care about don't know your whereabouts. If you're concerned that your parents or your pastor, or maybe your younger siblings are going to figure out where you've been hanging out and spending time and who you've been with, maybe it's time to reconsider whether you should even be there and whether you should be around that person. It's a pretty good indication that you shouldn't. Wow, those are three great relational guardrails. I have heard many teenagers ask questions about all of those things or feel like they were experiencing that. So that's that's so relevant and so um so good for people to to think about that if you're feeling that, if you're experiencing that, then maybe you need to step back or maybe more like you should step back from those mm-hmm. people, from those relationships. But yeah. obviously, I mean, there's emotions involved there. You're friends. You enjoy spending time with this person. You enjoy hanging out with them. You probably have things in common. It's not an easy thing to do to realize, oh, that person's a bad influence. I'm going to cut them out of my life or whatever the case may be. So what should we do when we realize that our friends are pulling us down? That's a very good question. And and like you said, I like that you brought up that, yes, there are emotions involved and It's not always black and white. It's not always as easy as just completely cutting them off altogether. Yeah. Because like if they're at school or they go to the same church as you, 
that may not even be possible. The three things that we need to do are set boundaries, we need to not compromise, and we need to pull back. So in short, to answer the question from the young lady at the beginning, no, you should not just laugh and go along with your friends. The best way to discourage ungodly behavior in others is to not take part in it. Yes. If they're swearing around you, don't join in. Even ask them not to do it around you. If they put on a song with explicit language, you can politely ask them to change it. If they're being hateful or gossiping about others, walk away from the conversation. Set those firm boundaries. Write them down if you have to so that you can really clarify what it is that the issue is in that friendship and kind of pray over it and get some good clarity on it. Because like you said, when emotions are involved, things can get really fuzzy. They can get really just wishy-washy and it can be hard to tell even what the problem is in a relationship. So write it down. Set those boundaries down. Your friends will probably notice and one of two things will happen. Either one, they will change their behavior to honor your standards or two, they'll get offended and ask why you're being that way. And if Mm. they do the second, answer them honestly. Don't compromise. Don't be afraid to walk away from the friendship if necessary. Yeah. I assure you, it is better to lose the companionship of people than the companionship of Christ. And that might sound drastic, but that's because it is. And really, let's go back to like, what is our purpose in life? Our purpose in life is to honor and glorify Christ. So if a friendship is Mm -hmm. causing us to not be able to do that, if it is hindering our holiness, if it is hindering our own walk with God, then it would be better to lose that friendship than it would be to to compromise our own holiness, our own relationship with Christ. And that's not a snobbish thing to say, like, oh, I am so holier than thou. I cannot associate with you. It's that this person or this this activity that they like to do or, or this group, this crowd, it's pulling me down. It's causing me to sin. And that is not a place where we should be willing to compromise. And you will lose friendships as you grow closer to Jesus. And you know what? That is okay. In fact, sometimes that could be the very best thing that could happen for you in your own holiness. My own pastor has said numerous times how his friendships changed when he was saved. He was saved out of drugs, alcohol, a really, really terrible crowd. And he realized that when he was saved, those relationships had to change. And so he friends would call him up and say, hey, you know, mm-hmm. you want to go to the bar? You want to party tonight? Whatever. And he was like, no, I don't do that anymore. I'm a follower of Christ and I don't do that anymore. They would, you know, silence on the end of the phone. Then they'd hang up and he never heard from them again. He lost his entire mm-hmm. circle of friends when he was saved. But if he had gone along with them, then he would have been compromising his new relationship with Christ. And that is not worth compromising for the sake of a friend circle, for the sake of a relationship that is leading you to sin. It's just not worth it. 
Hey friends, we'll dive back into our conversation here in a moment, but first, listen up because I'm so excited to tell you about our sponsor for the day. If you've been listening to the podcast, you've probably heard me talking about this author conservatory thing. So what is the author conservatory? The Author Conservatory is an affordable three-year program that launches Christian students into sustainable writing careers. It's for high school or college-age students or grads, or really for anyone who feels called to write, speak, and teach. But you feel like you need training and guidance to pursue that calling faithfully and fruitfully. So it covers both the writing side and the business and publishing side. So you can learn the writing and business skills you need to get published and support yourself financially. It's led by our very own Brett Harris, as well as a team of incredible authors and writing and publishing experts. So if you want to learn the skills that you need to become a published author, head over to theauthorconservatory.com for more info and to request a free consultation. Again, that's authorconservatory.com. Going off of that, I, I want to point out that, you know, just because you step away from a friendship, just because you pull away from somebody, that's not the same as giving up on the idea that God could work in their lives. I think sometimes it can be tempting for us to think, well, if I don't show them Christ, who will? Mm -hmm. But the truth is, maybe they would take Christ from somebody other than you. Like maybe they won't be accepting of your witness of Christ, but maybe they could accept it from somebody else. Maybe somebody else can minister to them in a way that, you know, they would be more accepting and open to it. I think sometimes we can almost want to be savior to our friends yeah, and mm-hmm. take on that responsibility. And it's really important for us to let that go. Even as you pull away from them, even as you pull back on from those friendships that aren't good, that do need to be just completely cut off, you can continue to pray for them and pray that God would bring others into their lives, that they would accept you know, the truth from, that they would accept that godly influence from. You don't have to look at it as you're completely giving up on this person. Continue to pray for them. That's totally okay. And recognize that it's not all your responsibility to get them saved and to sanctify them. That's not your job. I think that in many ways, we have lowered the bar on friendship a lot. But there is something within us all that craves that deep, real, honest kind of relationships, those relationships you know that you can rely on. And those relationships are very, very rare. And because of that, I think many of us have a deep friend deficit, which is why we may be willing to compromise on who we're close friends with. But godly friendships, godly relationships are an invaluable blessing in our lives. And so we need to know how to not only avoid like bad friendships that pull us down, but how to cultivate godly friendships that can be for the glory of God and the good of both people. So there is a greater purpose in friendship. And I think that's important to remember 
uh, you know, Ecclesiastes says that two are better than one, that if one of them falls down, the other can help them up. That though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not easily broken. And so here we see a description of relationships that we see people taking care of each other, helping each other. As Proverbs 27, 17 says, as iron sharpens iron, so a man sharpens the countenance of his friend. And that is a goal and a purpose of relationships. That's one reason why God gave us the gift of relationships, because we can be a means by which the other is edified, sanctified, and made more like Jesus. So we are meant to draw each other to a deeper walk with Christ, to a truer and deeper understanding of scripture, to godly principles and truth. We're to pray for each other, to encourage each other, and yes, even if need be, to admonish and correct each other in the truth of scripture. I love Proverbs 27, 6. It says, faithful are the wounds of a friend, profuse are the kisses of an enemy. And so godly friendships are so much more than just having a fun person to hang out with. They are for your spiritual edification. They are for the purpose of drawing both of you closer to Jesus Christ. Exactly. I think we need to talk about maybe some of the things that we need to remember regarding friendship and and the mindsets that we approach cultivating those friendships with, you know, just like you would prepare you know, your mind and and your attitude for marriage, it's it's important to prepare your mindset around friendship as well and to prepare yourself to find those good godly friendships because if you're not prepared, you're probably going to flounder. One of the things that we need to remember about friendship is friendship isn't about me. It's not about you. Ouch. (laughs) It's not about us. (laughs) Um, Yes, It can be extremely tempting to make our friendships all about me, myself, and I. And we may not even realize that we're doing it, but self-centeredness presents itself in many, many ways. Uh, Just for a few examples, some of the ways that self-centeredness shows up um, in a friendship would be always having to have our way. So you're always the one to pick the movie, to pick the food, to pick the activity. Um, Another way that self-centeredness presents itself in friendship is constant unloading and venting. Now, I want to put a little caveat here and say that venting isn't bad in and of itself, but it does become a problem when we A, either never give our friends the same opportunity to express their feelings or share their problems. B, we never take those things to God in prayer. So in essence, we're treating our friend as a God replacement. We're only taking our burdens to them. Um, And C, we're trying to elicit pity, which is different from validation and compassion. I'm not picking on people because, you know, this was me years ago and I wasn't even aware that I was doing it. Mm, You know, you've heard the saying, misery loves company. Well, sometimes our venting is really just us treating our friends like a garbage dump. We come, we dump our trash, and we go. It might make us feel better momentarily, but it's not a good way to sustain friendships because our friends end up feeling used and resentful towards us. 
I mean, it's it's tough. It's it's hard to resist that one. Yeah, <laughs> I'll admit. <laughs> Another way that self centeredness presents itself in our friendships is our friendships become about us feeling accepted. Mm-hmm. Yeah. When we go to our friends for acceptance and value instead of going to Christ, what we're actually doing is we're placing a weight on them that they were never intended to bear, Yes, a weight that they are not capable of bearing. Holly Girth says, uh, soon our friendships aren't about growing connections, but rather avoiding rejection. Mm. When we derive our value from God and we rest in the knowledge that we are accepted by God through the work of Christ, then our friendships are free to truly grow and flourish. Uh, When we know that we're already accepted by God through Christ, that we don't have to fear the rejection of people, then we are able to risk vulnerability. We're able to risk humility. And in turn, we're able to actually grow real connection with others. Mm. I actually went back and I flipped through my journal from right before you and I met. And one of the themes in a lot of the entries was simply asking God to rid me of that self-centeredness, that me mentality of Mm. all of the, you know, mindsets that revolved around, you know, what can I get out of a friendship? What do I want out of a friendship? What do I deserve in a friendship? And it's really important that we do ask God to to rid us of those mindsets and of those mentalities because those are the very things that will be a detriment to true godly friendship. Mm. Yes. And honestly, Tabitha, um, I'm so thankful for you as a friend because I see that you really do do that just to give everyone a real life example of how our amazing Tabitha can do this. Lately, I have been very absent in our in our own friendship. I've been going through a lot. I've had so much more on my plate than I really have had in, in I can't really remember when. And you have been so gracious in the midst of that that I haven't been as present. Uh, for your own struggles. I haven't been as present just in being able to talk and communicate. And I felt really bad about that. But one message that you sent me a while ago, when I was apologizing about all of this, you were just like, hey, here, take some grace. And honestly, that brought me to tears because I was feeling the weight of everything. And your simple grace, your response that was so not self-centered, but so focused upon me and my good and seeking to just be a present and good friend for me, that was such an incredible blessing to me. And it, it truly was just such a great encouragement to me. And I was a picture of that's the kind of friend that I want to be, a friend that isn't seeking my own but who can look out for the good of of the other person and be be there for them, even if they're maybe not able to be there for you in the same way in that moment or in that season. And you you have done that so well for me. And that's such an inspiration for all of us because having friendships means that you will be walking through hard seasons with people. And it means that you will 
walk with them through trials. And so how are you going to respond in the midst of that? How are you going to be a faithful friend to them in the midst of, of trials? And Tabitha, you've done that so well um, for me and our friendship. You're going to make me cry. Aww, <laughs> You're gonna make I don't want to make you cry. <laughs> Thank you for saying that. <laughs> <laughs> it's so, so true though. And um, really having godly friendships it does, it requires us to get out of ourselves, to seek the other person's mm-hmm. good because it's not about us. Yeah. I took a screenshot of this um, several months ago. Um, Jonathan Bacluda has a weekly Friday Q&A, and he answered a question about friendships. And he said that every believer should have people in their lives who celebrate life's victories with them, Share with them, help carry life's burdens, remind them of eternity, talk about God's word with them, spur them toward love and good deeds, hear their confession, pray for them, and hold them accountable to putting sin to death. And that's a pretty good list of what a friend should be doing in your life because that's that's tr- a true mark of friendship, that they are they're with you, they share with you, they help you. And they also point you to Jesus. And again, Tabitha, I don't want to make you cry or anything, but you do that so well for me as well. <laughs> well, I can say likewise that you do that very, very well. I cannot tell you guys how many times I have sent the same sentence to Sarah in a message that just says, thank you for pointing me to, to truth or thank you for Aww. pointing me to Christ. <laughs> She's very, very good at that. Um and it's true that that's what that's what we need in friendship. What do we do when we can't find friends like this? I can see a lot of our listeners sitting there going, like I was probably, you know, 10 years ago, going, well, that's great for you two that you guys have friendship, but what about me? <laughs> like, <laughs> like where, where can I find a good friend? And I get it. It's hard. It really is. So what do we do? It is hard. And... <laughs> Well, my short answer is you find yourself a Tabitha, but Tabithas are in short supply. (laughs) (laughs) So, but seriously, seriously, one of the biggest things is to pray, to pray that God would raise up friends for you like that, to pray that um, he would provide that. I know, Tabitha, you said that you did that so much before we met that you would pray for a godly friend. And I was doing the same thing. Um, So prayer is powerful. You can pray about things like that. Pray for friendships. And another thing that we can do is that we can invest in the people that we do have around within our sphere of influence. Uh, Maybe they're not going to be those heart-level friends, but they will be producing within you the character qualities that you need to be a good friend for when God does bring that person into your life. So reaching out Mm -hmm. and serving, um, evangelizing, investing in your family. Oftentimes we forget about those people that are closest to us and they can be hard sometimes to get along with or be friends with, but invest in them, pour into them. And again, these things will be helping you become the kind of person that can be a good friend when God does bring those people into your life. Exactly. Yes, I love that so much. Um, A couple of practical tips that I have. Um, First is to step outside your comfort zone. Yes. Do not be afraid to make the first move. And I know that this is difficult. I'm an introvert. 
I can very easily just let other people be the one to initiate. <laughs> um, yeah. But truly, mm-hmm. we all want to be approached by the perfect friend, but none of us really want to risk approaching others ourselves. Um, again, because none of us want to risk rejection. Uh, but when it comes to making friends, sometimes we have to take a cue from Miss Frizzle. I don't know if you watched the Magic School Bus growing up. I did. I loved it. Um, And one of the things that she would always say, her catchphrase was, it's time to take chances, make mistakes, and get messy. Okay, that's friendship. (laughs) And that's how we make friends. You have to take chances. You have to make mistakes. And you kind of do have to get messy. (laughs) So you got to step outside your comfort zone. The other thing that I think we need to do is think outside the box. Do not limit your potential friends to people who are, you know, the same age as you or who attend the same classes as you or attend the same church or even live in the same neighborhood or even state. Because when we limit ourselves like that, we miss out on a lot of really great friendships. A little story time. I sent a letter to a random chick in Michigan because our sisters, no. our big sisters, <laughs> happened to be published in the same novella collection. <laughs> um, and my, to be quite honest, my older sister actually kind of nudged me to do it. She was like, well, uh-huh. you know, you could, you could write her a letter. And I thought, I'm not going to do that. She's going to think I'm totally weird. She's not going to like me. Like, she's going to think I'm some sort of creepy person just sending her a random letter. <laughs> It was outside my comfort zone, <laughs> and because I'm an introvert, it was it was an outside the box idea. Um, but I did it, and I ended up with Sarah for a friend. <laughs> so yeah, I'm the random chick. Limit Michigan. yourself. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I mean, you were at the time. Now you're now you're Sarah. <laughs> now I'm Sarah. <laughs> you're not random anymore. Um, some of our conversations are random, but you're not. (laughs) Oh, ain't that the truth? (laughs) So yeah, you got to step outside your comfort zone and you got to think outside the box. And pretty much just going off of like what you said, be willing to broaden your sphere. Look for friends who are older than you or friends who are younger than you. Um, there are so many benefits of having friendships with people that are older than you. You need old people. You really do. Um, so, yeah. And also having friendships with those that are younger than you. Maybe they'll be more of a discipleship kind of friendship, but that can be a blessing as well. Um, so be willing to do mm-hmm. that. Do ministry. Get involved in a church small group or some kind of ministry thing, Bible study, something that could help you broaden that sphere a little bit and be willing to branch out. Yeah. One of the other things that we really need to do, um, and you kind of alluded to this earlier, but it's the idea of practicing being the friend that you want to have. It's so important, you know, when we're we're painting these pictures of the kind of friend that we want, we put some pretty high standards there on that list, some pretty high expectations. But how many of us really think about, you know, how me how we measure up as friends um and that's not to say that we need to be like you know harshly judging ourselves but really kind of take stock and and prayerfully ask the lord like am i a good listener 
am I humble? And practice doing that. If if you're not, like practice being a good listener, practice humility, practice obedience to the Holy Spirit as he develops godly fruit in your life. Practice selflessness, practice patience. These things don't come naturally. It's it's very mm-hmm. counter to our nature. Like I said, self-centeredness is it's what comes easily. So we have to practice these things. Um, being a good friend is a skill. You learn it, you practice it, and you develop it over time. Mm, absolutely. And, you know, Proverbs 17, 17 says, a friend loves at all times and a brother is born for adversity. Or Proverbs 18, a man who is friends must himself be friendly, but there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. The Bible also puts a very high standard on friendship. And we can practice being a good friend by praying for grace to fulfill these, um, these standards that the Bible puts forth. But lastly, and maybe most importantly, whether we have seasons of abundant friendships or seasons where we don't have any friends, the most important thing we can always do is to cling to Jesus as our best and our truest friend, because he is the friend who sticks closer than a brother. He is the friend who will never, ever fail. You know, I think sometimes loneliness can be a gift in that sense. Going back to you know the the friendship that I discussed earlier, after I was ghosted and I, I had a very lonely season. I didn't really have any friends at all. It was very hard, very lonely. I felt very isolated. And I so deeply, desperately wanted true, solid friendship. I don't know if you've read Anne of Green Gables, but I wanted a Diana mm, to my yes. Anne Shirley. Like I wanted that bosom friend. But I didn't know where to find one. And I spent a lot of that time growing my relationship with the Lord, asking him to help me view him as my friend, asking him to be sufficient for me or for me to see him as sufficient because he already is, asking him to truly help me view him as the sufficient friend that he is. So it's really important to use loneliness as an opportunity to anchor deep in Christ. Because the better you know Christ, the better you'll be able to recognize Christ in others. And the better you'll be able to find those friendships worth pursuing. Uh, The better you know him, the better you'll reflect him to your friends. I would also say, like, you know, even in friendship, even when you do have those friendships, loneliness is still possible. You know, we don't need to look at our friends as the solution to our loneliness. Christ is the solution to our loneliness. And Mm -hmm. there will be times where, you know, stuff happens and people get busy. And like you were saying, you've been in a really busy season. I could easily, if I were looking to you as the solution for my loneliness, be, you know, really despondent and despairing and like, oh, poor me, I'm so lonely and whatever. But, you know, it's important to view Christ as that solution and let him fulfill that need for for community first and foremost. Because when we do, then we're able to extend grace to our friends when they are in, in busy seasons. I think a lot of us view loneliness as a problem for people without friendships or 
if you don't have a boyfriend or a girlfriend, if you're not married, if you don't have friends, then you're lonely. But if you have those things, then you're never lonely. And that's not the truth. Going back to my notes away from the bunny trail, (laughs) Um, during that time of you know, really pursuing Christ and anchoring deep in him, I did a lot of self-reflection, a lot of examining the kind of friend that I'd been in the past. Um, And I prayed through questions like, what are some things that I could do differently in future friendships? In what ways do I need to grow so that I can be a good friend who attracts good friends? What habits, mindsets, patterns do I need to break? What habits and mindsets do I need to cultivate? So, That's another gift that loneliness can give us. It can help us kind of examine the kind of friend that we've been in the past and help us kind of take stock and recognize those areas that we need to grow so that we can be good friends in the future. Yeah, that is so good. And I I think looking back in my own life that often the deepest growth has taken place in the seasons of greatest loneliness. You know, God created Mm -hmm. us for relationships, and those things are very good, but God does sometimes walk us through those seasons where all we have is Him, and that's a good thing because it can teach us to rely upon Him, to trust in Him, to love Him most, because we always need to remember that no person will ever complete us or satisfy us, that only Jesus really can do that. So when you have godly friendships— It's so important to build your friendships on prayer. Lisa Turkist has said, surround yourself with friends who pray more words over you than they speak to you. And I love that so much. And I'd also say, I'd also say that the reverse is important, that we need to be praying more words over our friends than we speak to them, because prayer is such an important part of friendship. If you think about it, it is the single best thing that you can do for your friends is praying for them. So I would encourage all of our listeners, if you have those good friendships, make it a habit to regularly ask your friend how you can pray for them. And then here's the important part or the tricky part, really. You need to actually do it. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's because it's very easy to tell somebody, oh, I'm praying for you or I'll be praying for you or, you know. But then we need to follow through because that's where the power is, you know? So pray for them. Pray before you get on the phone with them. One of the things that I started doing when you and I first started like chatting on the phone, we'd been pen pals for a while and then we started with phone calls. And Mm -hmm. one of the things that I started doing before every phone call is I would pray and ask God to like, okay, help me not be so focused on myself. Help me actually listen. <laughs> um, <laughs> help me ask her questions. Help me to be a good friend, a good conversationalist. Like it's important to pray those things. So pray for them before you get on the phone. Pray before you go to their house or you meet them for coffee. Don't just pray for them when you're by yourself either. Pray for them when you're with them. If you're talking and they Mm -hmm. share something that they're struggling with, pause the conversation. Like let them finish speaking, obviously, but then, you know, (laughs) pause and say, you know what? Can I pray with you over that right now? If they share, you know, an area that they're really stressed over or something that they're concerned about, pray with them in that moment. Let them hear your prayers. Let them hear the scriptures that you're praying over their lives. Because by praying with and for our friends, that's how we include God in our friendships. 
And that is of the greatest importance because then we're not just offering our friends ourselves, we're offering them Christ in us. And Christ is truly what makes all the difference. Mm, I love, 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 love that. That is so, so good. And really praying with friends like you and others has been the greatest blessing in relationships for me that I love uh, hearing your prayers. I love being able to pray for Mm -hmm. you and know that you actually do pray. That is such an incredible blessing. And it reminds me of, I'm going to nerd out here a little bit, um, Pilgrim's Progress. (laughs) I read it earlier this year or last year actually now, and I loved it. So if you're not familiar with this story, as Christian, the main character, as he journeys toward the celestial city, he meets a lot of people along the way. Some people discourage him, some tempt him, but others encourage him. And one of those people was Faithful. you got to love the names. You've got Christian here and Faithful. So Faithful and Christian, they journeyed together, and as they went— They spoke regularly of Christ. They talked about the Bible. They talked about how to be faithful, how to live righteously. And it says in the book, Thus they went, talking of what they had seen by the way, and they so made the way easy, which would otherwise no doubt have been tedious to them. And I just love the picture here. So Pilgrim's Progress, here's two pilgrims journeying together toward heaven. They're talking about Christ, and they're making the way easier. That is a picture of true friendship, and that is one of God's purposes in godly friendship. Because this life is hard and it's full of trials, but like Ecclesiastes says, it's easier with two, especially when the other intentionally points your heart to Christ and makes it not just about themselves, but about Jesus. So I'm thankful for that in you, Tabitha, and I'm thankful that Christ is the friend that can be the third strand in any godly relationship. We need that, and that is such a blessing in every friendship. And as you seek to have godly friendships, I pray that God gives you grace for that to be a good friend, to be a blessing to those people that you encounter, and to Cling to him and to rely upon him as your greatest friend, no matter what season you are in. And so I just pray that this episode was an encouragement to you in that and a blessing to you, whether you're seeking friends or whether you just want to know how to make your current friendships more focused on Christ. So thank you for taking the time to listen to our rambles as always. Tabitha and I appreciate that. And we will see you in the next episode. So thanks for listening and we'll talk to you later. Hey, thanks so much for listening to this episode of Do Hard Things with Revolution. I hope it was encouraging and insightful to you. If you enjoyed this episode, be sure to hit subscribe so you never miss any of our content and to leave us a review. Reviews truly make all the difference in helping us to get this content into the hands of more people. And don't forget that we want to answer your questions on the show. So do you have a question about doing life as a Christian teen, faith, theology, culture, or relationships, you name it, we want to talk about it. So head over to therevolution.com backslash podcast 
and submit your question in the form there, and we may just be able to answer it on the show. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Do Hard Things with the Revolution, and we'll talk to you again soon. Hey, this is Brett Harris, author of Do Hard Things and founder of The Revolution. Are you a Christian student who loves writing but think it could never go anywhere because you've been told young people can't get published and writers don't make any money? Well, you've been told wrong. I published my first book as a teenager and have sold around 700,000 copies of my books over the course of my writing career. Over the last decade, I've served as a mentor and coach to many of the world's top young writers and authors, including people you might know like Sarah Barrett and Jaquel Crow. If writing is your passion, I'd love to work with you as well through The Author Conservatory, a three-year college alternative for both fiction and nonfiction writers. Just visit www.authorconservatory.com to learn more and apply for a free consultation. That's www.authorconservatory.com.